0: Amen. Well, happy new year, everybody. How many of you realize it's your first Sunday of 2018? Isn't that amazing? Uh, God is good. It's so good to have all of you here today. Now, next Sunday I won't be here. I'm going to be in England preaching. In England. And I'll be ministering uh, for John Collier, his 12th anniversary. Many of you know John. Uh, he's been with us several times. Great young man. I'm going to be there. Uh, preaching for his 12th anniversary church service. Uh, uh, Pastor Clint Claypool will be here with you, and then I'll be back. Well, I'll be back to hear Carmen, that's for sure. You know, have you noticed when they show the pictures of Carmen, a lot of women pull out and start fanning themselves? (laughs) I'm kidding. I was at his wedding a few weeks ago. He's married, it's done. Now, I want to talk to you today about when you're going through a very, very tough time and it looks like the odds are against you. Are they really? And are you going to win or lose? Well, I'm going to call this today, Thou shalt not sweat it. I'm just going to call that the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not sweat it. I want us to try that. Can we try that? Thou shalt not sweat it. If I was God, I'd make that an 11th commandment. Thou shalt not sweat it. Because no matter what you go through, God has promised us victory. He always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. So I want to read out of some of my favorite psalms, three verses, Psalms 46. And let's read it, and then I'm going to talk to you about how in the world we can possibly be confident when it looks like all the odds are against us. God is our refuge and strength, a help always near in times of great trouble. That's why we won't be afraid. When the world falls apart. When the mountains crumble into the center of the sea, when its waters roar and rage, and when the mountains shake because of its surging waves, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word today. And Lord, there's people in here and people watching by streaming video who are in a great struggle, a great trial. And Lord, I just pray that the word of God will penetrate their pain, penetrate their difficulty, penetrate their doubts, and Lord, you will build faith and encouragement and put strength into our spirits today. I pray, Lord, for a supernatural surgery to happen, supernatural ministry to take place in this house today. Lord, I thank you that nobody has come to church in vain, and everyone is going to leave with something they can use tomorrow when they get up in the morning to walk with God and be victorious. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody pray a, Prayer to say, Lord I, Lord, I receive your word. Speak to my heart in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, Thou shalt not sweat it. <laughs> now, let me give you a little background into this psalm. This psalm was written by the sons of Korah. It's not Davidic, but the sons of Korah wrote it. And They wrote it during the reign of Jehoshaphat. And you remember the time when Jehoshaphat received word that three armies were coming against him all at once. See if I can remember them. It was the Ammonites, Moabites, and the Edomites, all the ites. Some of you got some ites coming against you today. But it was the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Edomites coming against Judah all in this huge army where it looked very, very bad for Jehoshaphat in the kingdom of Judah. And we're told in the Bible that Jehoshaphat did the only thing you can do at a time like that. He went straight to God. He sought the face of God, and he asked the entire nation of Judah to pray with him. So they went into prayer. And when they were finished praying, God moved on an unknown man whose name was Jehaziel. We don't, I don't believe, hear about Jehaziel again in the Bible, but here... God moved on an unknown man in the congregation of Israel and gave him a word of prophecy for his people. And this is what he said. This is what the Lord says to you. Don't be afraid or discouraged by this great army because the battle isn't yours. It belongs to God. What a great word. Some of you need to hear that today. The battle is not yours. The battle is God's. Now in the end, we know that Jehoshaphat sent the army out and he sent worshipers in the front of the army and they began to sing and worship as they approached this massive army that greatly outnumbered them. They began to sing worship and praise songs to God and all of a sudden God confused the armies and they turned on one another and long story short, they were completely defeated not by might, not by power, but by the spirit of the Lord because they worshiped God and God undertook on their behalf. Now, it is this attack and subsequent victory that Psalms 46 is all about. And it teaches us that when overwhelming odds are against you, thou shalt not sweat it. You know, I've noticed something about the devil. The devil attacks primarily at two times. He attacks right before a great victory or he attacks right after a great victory. Now, we all know he attacks before one. He attacks before a victory so that he can discourage and disillusion and and weary and and wear down God's people. But he attacks after a great victory to spoil the joy of the victory. And I've learned this in in, in church service a lot. We'll have great church on a Sunday and I'll go home, and somehow or another the enemy will try to get at me and, and, and bring some kind of a discouraging event or something that... That takes away the joy of what I just experienced. I've learned to not let the devil do that because when God brings a victory, I'm going to praise God for it and I'm going to thank him for it and I'm not going to forget it and I'm not going to let it be be buried by some event after the victory. Amen. Amen. Now Jehoshaphat was in this second group. Uh, King Jehoshaphat was a good king. The Bible tells us that he had brought about many reforms when he became king. He removed the displeasure of God off of Judah, which any good king should do. Any political ruler should remove any displeasure of God off of the people he rules as much as he can. He brought about reforms. We're told of Jehoshaphat that he sought the God of his father. And we're told that his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Well, I love a ruler who's heart takes delight in the ways of the lord he removed the high places and the high places were simply places that were designated to worship false idols of wood and stone and the people would go to these designated high places and they would bow down to idols and to gods that are not gods that could not answer prayer that can't speak can't do anything for you but the high places he removed so this idolatry could not continue in his nation And then he very wisely appointed teachers to go all throughout the land of Judah, all the cities of Judah, to teach the Word of God to the people. How wise that is. Man, I would just love it if we had a ruler that appointed a bunch of people to go around teaching the Bible to Americans. Amen? But since we don't, I'm going to do it on radio. I'm going to be one of them. Now, so the people of God... Under Jehoshaphat grew in the wisdom and the knowledge of the Lord, uh, and and they prospered, and they flourished, and it pleased God. And and the Bible reveals that it was on the heels of these godly reforms and victories that Satan attacked Judah through the Moabites, Ammonites, and Edomites to, uh, to destroy the people and wipe out the victories they'd achieved in God. Now let me bring this home to you and to me. Just like as with Jehoshaphat, it is when you and I are doing right. We make up our minds. I'm going to do right. A lot of you made a New Year's resolution. Man, I'm going to get in church. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray. And that's a good thing. But do you know that when you made your mind up to do that, the devil also knows about it. And he's going to try to discourage you from doing the very things that you made a resolution to do. That's why don't make a New Year's resolution. Just make a decision before God that you're going to do something and ask him for the help to do it. But as with Jehoshaphat, it's when we decide to do right, when we have set our hearts to seek the Lord, to get up in the morning and seek the Lord, when we have removed wrong things from our lives, the idols that are taking the place <coughs> of God, and we decide we're going to remove this and remove that, those things that we knew all year long were bothering the Lord, were not pleasing to the Lord, we say, I'm going to remove it. And like Jehoshaphat, we, we, we remove those high places, where we bowed down to something other than the Lord. And then we're being used of God to destroy the works of Satan. That, they, that, that is when the enemy attacks. That is when the enemy puts you in the crosshairs and comes after you to discourage you and disillusion you and take you down and wear you down and wear you out. And the attack can seem overwhelming. Let's face it. He's got three major armies coming at him vastly outnumbered him, it looked like there's no way we can win this, no way we can overcome this, no way we're going to have the victory here. We are toast. We are in real trouble. The odds appear to be against us, and victory all looks all but impossible. But then here's the word of the Lord today. Thou shalt not sweat it. That's what I hear in Psalms 46. Psalms 46, the sons of Korah wrote down, they said, you know what, when these armies were attacking we did not fear. We did not fear because we knew some things that I'm going to share with you in just a moment out of the psalm. Psalms 46 describes a great shaking. When the world, your world, falls apart, when the mountains, and the mountains represent things you never thought could be moved, things you thought were stable, things you never thought could be shaken, things you thought were permanent, when those mountains crumble into the center of the sea, when the waters roar and rage, when the mountains shake. The Living Bible says even if the world blows up and the mountains crumble into the sea, in other words, when all that can be shaken is shaken in your life. I don't know if you've ever been through anything like that. I have. And all of a sudden, anything that can be shaken in our life is suddenly shaken and threatened And we wonder what in the world is going on. The security blankets that we've always known are pulled out from under us. The familiar comforts we've always uh, taken comfort in are removed. You're whittled down as Job was to holding on to your very life. This is how Judah felt with this massive army approaching them. What are we going to do? How are we ever going to get out of this? How are we going to come out on top? How are we going to have a victory victory? In the midst of these overwhelming odds. And then the psalmist says, we will not fear. Thou shalt not sweat it. Where did he get this confidence? Where did the psalmist get this incredible confidence? How was he so sure? Because he knew three things that I'm going to share with you today. He said, first of all, the reason we're not going to be afraid, the reason we're not sweating it, is God is our refuge. Can you say with me, God is my refuge? Powerful word. I love that thought. Let me just show you what that thought means. Refuge means shelter. It's the kind of place you look for when a tornado has touched the ground and you know that it's headed your way and you're looking for a storm shelter to run into and slam that door shut and be safe. That's a shelter. Or when you drive under a bridge when it is raining so hard, you can't see through the windshield, or even worse, it has begun to hail. And that hail is falling, and you're looking to get under a bridge for protection and for shelter. That's what he means. The Lord is my refuge. God is my refuge. He is my shelter. A refuge is a place of protection that shields you from danger and destruction. And, and, and the sons of Korah and David in many other psalms, they saw God as that kind of a shelter. I can run into the presence of God, and he will shelter me while everybody else around me is battered and bruised and even destroyed. I am going to hide in my God, and I'm going to have shelter. He's my shelter. On May 6, 1995, you might have been here, might have been here in Fort Worth, I wasn't here. I was out of town with a men's retreat, of all things. But I remember very well when this happened, May 6, 70 mile Seventy-mile-an-hour winds, softball-sized hail like baseballs, and then flooding struck Fort Worth. It happened in the worst of times. Ten thousand people were gathered downtown Fort Worth for Mayfest. People walking around in the streets, thousands and thousands of them, ten thousand When fist-sized hail began to fall, nobody knew what to do. Some ran for the shelter of their cars, got in their cars thinking they'd be safe, and this hail was so big it smashed through the windshields and hit them anyway. They ran for shelter under canopies outside the stores, but the canopies were decimated by the size of the hail, and they were struck anyway. Ninety people were taken to Harris Methodist Hospital in Fort Worth for hail injuries. So many of the shelters people fled to did not protect them, and that's the way we are today, folks. Listen, we're living in a time of great danger. Many are departing from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We're in a great spiritual warfare. We are under great spiritual attack, and many people are looking for shelters that were not going to protect them that cannot protect them. Let me tell you what they're doing. The shelter of self will not protect you in a spiritual attack. When you're under a spiritual attack, you can't protect yourself. You need somebody greater than you living in you who can protect you and greater than the devil living in you who can protect you. Thank God for the word of God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if God be for us, who can be against us? But there are people who lean on themselves. I'm so smart. I'm so talented. I'm so capable. I've got all these abilities that are going to get me out of this attack. But when it's a spiritual attack, yourself is a shelter that will not protect you from the falling spiritual hail. The shelter of money can't shield you from the onslaughts of an angry devil. The shelter of religion is useless against the fiery darts of hell. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with God made possible through Jesus Christ. Religion is man trying to please God. Christianity is God sending his son who did all the pleasing for us, and we are in him and in his blood and his righteousness. But religion won't protect you in a spiritual attack, the shelter of human help does little to deliver you from Satan's traps. That's why David prayed, give us help against the enemy, for human help is worthless. Yeah, in a real spiritual attack, flesh and blood can't help you. Flesh and blood can't save you. No, we need a Savior to save us. In the day of uh, spiritual attack, we need a shelter that is impenetrable, impregnable, and impossible to bring down. And the only shelter in that category is the almighty, immutable, all-powerful God of creation. God is our refuge. I run to him, and he shelters me in the storm. Amen? Say with me again. God is our refuge. David talked about it all the time. The Lord is my rock, he said in Psalms 18 too. And he's my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge and in whom I take shelter. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. Amen. He said, God's not only my shelter, but he continues, here's why we shall not sweat it. Here's why we shall not fear. God's not only our shelter, but he's our strength. God is our refuge and God is our strength. Have you ever noticed in a particularly difficult spiritual storm, your strength doesn't last very long? You know, without the Lord on our side, without leaning on the Lord, we don't last very long in a real storm, a spiritual attack. It wears us down and wears us out and wearies us in no time. And before long, we're disillusioned, we're discouraged, we're on the outs, we're we're thinking about leaving church, thinking about stopping praying, thinking about just going off on our own. We have no more fire, no more zeal. We used to burn with holy fire. We used to be at church every time the door is open. But then a spiritual attack comes, and our natural strength is quickly worn down, and we are worn out. But here's the good news. When your strength runs out, God's strength runs in. When your strength... Now, that's the promise to the believer. When your strength runs out, God's strength shows up. This is why Paul said, When I am weak then I am strong. Well, Paul, how can you say that? If you're weak and worn out, how can you say you're strong? Ah, Paul would say, here's why. Because when my strength runs out, his strength kicks in. And when I am weak, then suddenly I find myself strong because of the strength of the one I'm leaning on. And you know, nobody described God's strength in God's people better than Isaiah. You know these verses. But I'm going to read them to you because they're so encouraging. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29, he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Notice he's saying the strongest among you are eventually going to run out of strength, and you're going to feel like giving up. And you're going to faint and you're going to fall and you're going to walk away and you're going to fail. But then he says, verse 31, but those, everybody say, but those. Now he's going to tell us how people get strong again when they're weak. He says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew, shall renew, shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings and fly like an eagle. They will run. And not run out of breath. That's the revised Wickwire version. They will mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary, and they shall walk, and they will not faint. Now, he's talking about two kinds of people. In the first verse that I read, it's people not leaning on the Lord. And when times get tough, they fail, and their strength fails, and they faint and they give up. But then there's another category. But those, but those who have learned the secret of waiting on the Lord shall renew their strength. Their strength will come back. They won't stay weak. They won't stay down. They won't stay defeated. For the righteous man falls and gets up seven times. They, they, they may have down moments. They may have times of discouragement but they won't stay down. See, some of you were never supposed to be in church again because you went through such a hard time. Everybody around you said, well, they're down for the count. It's over for them, but here you are again. How are you here again? Because you've got a God who got you back up. He stood you on your feet. He filled you with his strength. He's with you and for you and strengthening you. How many of you can say they thought I was down, but I'm back? Amen. Now, the word wait, he says, but those who wait, those who wait on the Lord, those are the ones that renew their strength. Now, the key word here is wait. Wait is the key word. It doesn't mean wait like you would wait at a bus stop for a bus to arrive on time. It's not that kind of wait. The, the word wait is translated from a Hebrew word, very interesting, and it means to bind together by twisting. He said, so what does that mean? I'm going to show you what it means. I have with me today a chain and for those of listening by radio I'm holding a chain in one hand and a string in the other and I'm going to ask Jesse if you would get up here Jesse and just hold this chain just hold the chain right over here where the camera can get on you hold that chain and I'm going to hold this string now I need somebody else to hold the bottom of the chain come on just hold the bottom of the chain so that I can do this now this string is you and me and this string is easily broken if I pull on this string very hard, it's, it's easily going to snap. I'm not going to do it because I need it for the third service. <laughs> but here, here's the string. This string represents you and me. Without God, we so easily break. We so easily snap. We, we, we so easily fail. We are, we are frail. We, we, are, we are so easily enticed, so easily tempted. We so easily give up. We so easily put up the white flag. Uh, we, we run out of motivation. Uh, we're, we're frail like this string. But here's the deal. Weight means to wrap around now here this chain represents God and, and and I can pull on that chain all day, but I will not break that chain, because that chain is God, and God cannot be broken. And so the Bible says, those who wait on the Lord, that means who decide, well, I'm in a trial. What I'm going to do is I'm going to press in and pray. I'm going to press in and read the Bible. I'm going to press in and seek the Lord. I'm going to seek him. I'm going to come into his presence. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to give him a sacrifice of praise. I'm not going to run away from God in the middle of a trial, I'm going to run towards him. And in seeking him and praying and reading his word, I am wrapping myself around him. And guess what? Now this string is as strong as what it's wrapped around. You can't break the string because you can't break the chain. That's why when you seek God and you press into God, when the devil tries to take you out and take you down and destroy you and defeat you, if you wrap yourself around God, he can't break you because he can't break the chain because God cannot be broken. Thank you, guys. So are you wrapped around God today? Are you seeking God today? Man, when I get into a really red-hot trial, there's one thing I do. There's an old saying that says, "The The same sun that melts butter hardens clay. Some people are hardened when they go through tough times, when they go through the heat of trial. But other people melt in the presence of God. And and when I go through a trial, I seek God. I press into God. I call out on Him. I get into His Word. I dig deep. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers Him from them all. And, And I find that when I seek Him, I find fresh strength, fresh motivation, fresh fire Fresh ability. Fresh anointing. Because now I'm wrapped around the one the devil will never take down. So everybody say with me, he's my shelter. And he's my strength. And finally the Bible says, and he's also our help. Why should we not sweat it? Because he's my shelter I run to. He's my strength I draw from. But he's also my help I lean on. The Hebrew literally reads, an abundantly available health. Our God is not kind of there. He's not standing off to the side hoping you make it. But our God is abundantly available. He's not every once in a while available. He's not available if he's not busy with somebody else. But the Bible says he's abundantly abundantly overflowingly available to help you. That means God is right there with you. He is present. When everybody else walks out, God walks in. He's your ever dependable, ever faithful, present tense there in the fire with you help. Remember Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego thrown into the burning fiery furnace? Remember how Nebuchadnezzar looked down into that burning, fiery oven after he threw the three Hebrew children in? And he said, I don't understand it. I threw three in there, but there's four down there walking around in the midst of the fire, and one of them looks like the Son of God. What did he see? He saw that when the three Hebrew children were thrown into an oven of trial and fire, the fourth man showed up as an ever-present help in their time of need he's with you no matter what you're going through and he's going to help you david said but you lord don't be far from me you are my strength come quickly to help me be pleased O lord to deliver me O lord make haste to help me god's our helper god's our helper can we say together he's my helper When God is your shelter, he covers you in the storm. When he's your strength, he empowers you to endure. But when he's your help, he comes alongside you with aid. And he may pick a person to help you, something to help you. He may rise within you with strength that you didn't know you had. But whatever it is you need, he's going to be your ever-present, abundantly available help. Amen. In an 1865 letter from William Sherman to Ulysses S. Grant, Sherman wrote to Grant these words, I know wherever I was that you thought of me, and if I got in a tight place, I knew you would come. Now that's a man talking about his friend. And he says, I knew, I knew that wherever I was, you were thinking about me. And I knew if I got in a tight place, you would drop everything and come to me. I ask you today, if a man could say that about an earthly friend, then what about the friend of sinners who said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Though everyone else leaves, I will never leave. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. If an earthly friend can say that about another earthly friend, isn't it true of our God? And that's why Jesus said, I will not abandon you or leave you as orphans in the storm. I will come to you. I will send you the helper from the Father. He's the spirit of truth. Amen. And, you know, God helps us with great things and small. Now, this is a true story. I was out walking one day, and actually I've been riding my bike. And when I went to turn the corner, I remember I had to kind of turn sharp, and it, and it rattled me a little bit. And I kept on going, and I went home, and when I got home, I realized my wallet wasn't with me. Now, that's major. You lose your wallet, you lose your life. Now, at times like that, we wonder, does God really care? And I said, Lord, I hope you care because I need that wallet. I have no idea where it is. I went outside. I walked down the street. I walked up and down the street, could not find my wallet, didn't know what I was going to do, was just about ready to call all of the credit card companies and start canceling the credit cards and whatnot. And I said, Lord, please help me. He said, go out there one more time. He's an abundantly available help in large things and small. If it's big, it matters to God. If it's small, it matters to God. It may be small to you, but it's big to him because you matter to him. You are always in his thoughts. He is always thinking about you. You are on his mind. And so I said, Lord, I've already gone up and down the street three or four times. He said, go out again. So I went out there again, and I started walking down the street. And here comes a man I've never seen before in my life with a dog next to him. And he walks, he's starting to walk past me, and, I, and I, I just thought to say, hey, sir, have you seen a wallet? He said, well, you're just the one I'm looking for. Are you Jeff Wickwire? I said, yes. And he said, I was walking down the street, and my dog found your wallet. Yep. And, and my dog walked up to me with his wallet in his mouth. Now, you're going to ask me, do you believe that God used a dog to find your wallet? I'm going to tell you definitively, God used a dog to find my wallet. (laughs) And, and, And not only that, but the dog belonged to an honest man. And he was coming to my address that he'd seen on my license to give me the wallet back. And God said, see, Jeff, I'm an abundantly available help. In time of need, he's my refuge. He's my strength. He's my help. Can we stand together today? Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not getting weird on you, but I ran in the house to get that dog some dog biscuits. And when I came back out, I couldn't find them nowhere. Walked all up down the street, couldn't find them anywhere. What are you insinuating, Jeff? I'm just saying. Do you really believe that God would do it? I, hey, God can do anything. God wanted me to have my wallet. He cares about what matters to you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you with all of our heart that, Lord, you're our refuge, our shelter. And, Lord, we run to you in these days of warfare and trouble, and we hide under the shadow of your wings. Lord, you're our strength. When we feel we can't take another step, we take 10 more because you strengthened us. Supernatural energy is infused into you. And Lord, thank you that you're our ever-present help. You care about what matters to us. And you send help from many different directions In any way you choose. Now, I don't know what of these three you need most today, maybe all three. If you can say, Jeff, I'm in a real battle. I need that shelter. Can you raise your hand? Just say, I need that shelter. I need the shelter. If you're feeling tired, worn down, beat up, defeated, Like you're just dragging your feet. Some of you, you got up this morning and just all you could do to get to church because you were so tired feeling. And you need God's strength, and you raise your hand. Say, God, I need your strength. What about help? What about help? Maybe it's a major thing. Maybe it's a minor thing. God said, I'm your helper. I'll help you. I'll send aid. I'll assist you. If that's you, raise your hand many of us today. Lord Jesus, you see all these hands and you know what we need. And Lord, we look to you. You are our God. And therefore, we will not sweat it because you're our refuge, you're our strength, you're our help. We believe you'll get us to the other side. We believe you'll get us through the storm. We believe you'll get us, Lord, back to the mountaintop. We believe you will get us where we're supposed to be when we're supposed to be there. We believe it, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Now, we're going to worship just for a moment. And as we do, I want you to roll your burdens upon the Lord. Some of you got financial trouble, marital trouble, relational trouble. You're under a great temptation. It might even be that you're at a fork in the road. And it's going to matter a lot which direction you go. And you need the help, the aid of God to guide you. I want to pray about that. So whatever it is, I want you to give it to the Lord as we worship. Give it to the Lord. He's here today. I sense His presence right now. As we worship, you pray. Thank you, Lord. You are my shield. My strength, my portion, deliverer, my shelter, strong tower, my very present help. You are my shield, my strength, my portion, deliverer. Pray, my let's shelter, sing it together. strong tower, my, my very, very present in, in time of need. Now, with every head bowed, you may be here today and say, "You know, Jeff, I'm not sure I'm saved." Listen carefully to me, sir. Listen to me, ma'am. If there's a question mark in your mind about your salvation. It needs to be settled today. I wouldn't drive out of the parking lot without knowing I had peace with God. And I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And if you pray this with me, God's going to come. Jesus will come into your life. He's as close as a prayer. So I'm going to pray it. And if you want to pray it with me, if you're already saved, you can pray it anyway. But if you need to settle the salvation issue in your life, would you pray this with me right now? Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. And rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, forgive me my sin. And come into my heart as Savior and Lord. I place my faith in you, Jesus, to save me today. In your name I pray. Amen.